Hey everyone, this is Dave Cruz from Flyber Labs, a podcast on business and innovation in the Midwest and beyond. Here you'll meet fascinating people and learn about new technologies and practices that will change how you look at life and business. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyber Labs. And this podcast is part of our new theme on big ideas. And this one is the second around uh, solar energy. And we're going to have a series of podcasts on solar, as I mentioned last time, and probably have at least maybe one or two more after this, and uh, try to see what else we can do to make solar more viable in the Midwest. And today we have to talk to Michael Vickerman. And Michael is the Program and Policy Director at Renew Wisconsin, and he's been there since 1991. So we'll just say Michael knows a lot about renewable energy, including solar. So I'm excited to dive in. So let's uh, get the show going. So Michael, thanks for uh, being with us today. Uh, my pleasure. All right. Well, before we dive into more of the details, can you just give us a little bit of, about your background? Well, um, I started work for Renew Wisconsin in 1991, which is about the same time that Renew Wisconsin was formed. And it was uh, uh, an outgrowth of the Gulf War um, back in uh, 19, uh, 1990, I think it was. Uh, and um, our first uh, initiative, our first um, point of engagement was the uh, uh, Wisconsin Utilities long-range uh, planning process. Back then, uh, utilities were required to uh, submit 20-year plans when you know, forecasting their uh, uh, expectations of uh, load growth, uh, demand, uh, also um, pricing and availability of their generation resources, where the transmission, new transmission line should go. Um, we got involved in that process because at that point it was clear that nobody on the utility side was thinking about renewable energy. And we just uh, concluded a, uh, a war um, overseas uh, involving non-renewable uh, energy. And so this organization um, thought that um, it was time to start planning for um, a uh, an energy future where overseas wars might not be uh, 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 an inevitable part of our energy economy. That's how we got started. Uh, we were very small in the beginning um, because uh, there really wasn't much of a uh, commercial uh, market um, space for uh, renewable energy. Much of it had to do with the uh, uh, state of the technology and um, the, uh, the structure of the industry. It took many years, many, many years before uh, the renewable resources that we have in Wisconsin, wind, solar, and um, organic material uh, to become um, in any way cost-effective or competitive with the established fossil energy resources. Um, but over time, um, the, the yawning chasm between uh, cheap fossil fuel and expensive renewable energy narrowed, continuing to narrow over the last uh, uh, 10 years. And now we've reached the point where uh, parity has essentially been reached. Really? Okay. And we'll get more into that. And uh, and that was one of my questions. You know, how how has it changed since you started in 
till now. I mean, do you remember, you know, what like solar rates were back then or any compare or any comparison then compared to now? I can tell you on the solar side that um, solar was somewhere between 80 to 100 times uh, more expensive than <laughs> it is today. So uh, there was a solar industry back then. Um, it was quite useful for um, uh, uh, space flight um, where there was no onboard, excuse me, there was no um, grid connected power source available to uh, rockets and satellites that were. Um, uh, shot out into space, and and so um, solar worked just fine there. It's you know, very much a niche market, um, and now uh, it's pretty close to being the default energy resource in quite a lot of uh, the world and and many parts of the United States. Um, yeah, so what was once uh, I remember being close to um, eight uh, a double digit like. $20 a watt um, is now around 40 cents a watt. Huh. Um, we're talking about the price of modules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That is amazing. Um, do, you, do you see that same cost reduction moving forward or will it slow down a little bit? You know, I think we're pretty close to um, uh, it, um, its bottom. Okay. Uh, so that um, what what that doesn't mean that um, cost reductions couldn't happen in the future, but they're more likely to be achieved due to um, uh, reduction in what we call soft costs, the cost of permitting, um, the cost of uh, uh, engineering reviews, um, the cost of the balance of the equipment that goes into solar too, like the racking. Um, that we could see reductions there, but in terms of module prices, we're pretty close to the bottom. Wow. Okay. And can you tell us a little bit more about uh, Renew Wisconsin, kind of what your focus is, um, you know, how you're funded? Um, sure. And, and more, maybe your specific role there. Okay. Um, well, right now we have grown um, um, particularly um, aggressively in the last five years. We now have about 500 members, and many of them are business members because we do have a renewable energy marketplace in this state. It's mostly organized around solar. There are other uh, sources of uh, renewable energy. And when I say energy, I'm, uh, I'm referring 99% of the time to electricity, which is, uh, in the state of Wisconsin, a regulated enterprise, uh, and which means that the utilities uh, have a, uh, a regulatory agency that basically governs almost everything that they do called the Public Service Commission. It's, uh, it's remarkable how few uh, adult citizens in the state of Wisconsin know about this entity, Public Service regular, uh, Public Service Commission. It used to also regulate phone service, still regulate uh, uh, water utilities. But um, uh, I'd say by far the bulk of its work these days is, is centered around electricity regulation. So uh, our organization uh, represents um, solar customers, solar installers, uh, related businesses uh, before the Public Service Commission. Now, um, utilities can own uh, generating plants that um, rely on wind, solar, and uh, wood or 
uh, other organic materials. Um, and we work with some utilities to um, improve their or expand their um, uh, use of renewable energy. In the state of Wisconsin, there is a, uh, a law that requires uh, electric providers, and that includes rural electric co-ops, uh, to source 10% of their electricity from renewable sources. That law has been in effect for uh, uh, 13 years, excuse me, 12 years. Um, and um, by and large, the utilities have uh, uh, attained that goal. We think it's time for them to move on to uh, think about 20%. Um, some of the utilities themselves have adopted uh, more aggressive goals, but um, they do that on their own initiative. Um, they're not required by the state to have any more renewable generation than what they have currently. And we think this is a, uh, a missed policy, excuse me, a missed opportunity. And we're, um, so much of our work is figuring out how to uh, position the utilities to make these investments, even though they're not required to do so. Um, and that takes a little art and that takes a little lobbying and that takes um, um, some organizing of uh, um, entities that can that can provide these resources to utilities. That's, that's a big part of what we're doing today. Um, and we're fortunate in the state of Wisconsin that um, our organization is on the ground, is independent, and has built up relationships with uh, policymakers and utilities. And when the policy climate is right, we can get a lot done. Uh, unfortunately, the policy climate has not been favorable since um, 2011. And um, <laughs> we do we do the best we can under those circumstances, but it doesn't involve a lot of trips to the legislature these days, which is really too bad. Hmm. And and you can give us an idea of uh, you know what's the you know, more like a large scale grid installations of solar versus, let's say, a natural gas plant. Like, what are the, you know, what are you seeing for um, the cost differences? Um, you know, and you know, I, I ask because I'm, why aren't more utilities jumping on solar? You know, if, if if the if there's almost price parity between the two. Uh, good questions, um, and uh, we don't want to leave wind out of the discussion entirely no, because in yep. some ways it's even even more cost effective than solar depending on where the wind generation is occurring. Um, that's true in many places in the Midwest, in Iowa, for example. Um, about four kilowatt hours of every 10 kilowatt hours um, generated in Iowa, um, in other words, 40% of the electricity generated in Iowa comes from a wind turbine. Wow. Um, which is a pretty extraordinary yeah. um, uh, number. Um, there are three states in the Midwest that um, where wind power accounts for more than 30% of their generation mix. Um, now, that's not the case, basically, with solar. Even um, in Minnesota, uh, which has the strongest uh, uh, solar uh, incentives and laws in place, uh, solar doesn't account. Solar will eventually uh, account for between 1% and 2% of the uh, the electric mix, but right now it's still a little under 1%. So to your question about um, why aren't the utilities um, jumping into this game with, with more aggressiveness? Well, one, um, they, the, 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 the cost reductions in solar have been rather recent. 
Um, and 10 years ago, no one really thought that um, solar would be where it is today. Um, it's just a, been a huge transformation um, in uh, the um, cost profile of, of solar energy that has moved from basically a, a ultra boutique resource to something that can now um, be conceived of as uh, a utility scale resource. Um, the first uh, utility dabblings in solar in Wisconsin occurred about four years ago um, through uh, Daryland Power Cooperative. Daryland uh, is a uh, wholesale supplier to um, close to somewhere around 20 uh, rural electric co-ops in the state. Um, Daryland has a big advantage over other um, electricity providers in that it is not regulated by the Public Service Commission. So co-ops basically set their own policies. So they were free um, to experiment uh, with solar and build um, a couple of arrays in Vernon um, uh, County, um, which gave them some confidence that uh, uh, this was a, a resource that they can count on uh, uh, for more and more of their uh, load in the future. And then uh, two years ago, uh, Daryl and signed a contract with a Chicago developer to put up about uh, 15 um, solar fields across western Wisconsin. There's one in Grant County, there's one in Richland County, there are a couple in Vernon County. Um, they go pretty much all the way up western Wisconsin. The name of the uh, Chicago company is called Socor. Um, and all these uh, 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 fields, they range from about 500 kilowatts to uh, two and a half megawatts, which is five times as large as 500 kilowatts. Um, they count now for uh, almost 20 megawatts of solar. And Daryland um, is is uh, providing that generation to its uh, affiliated um, co-ops. Um, so that was um, that was a step forward. Now. The um, since Daryland Dar didn't have to ask for permission from the Public Service Commission to make this investment, they just decided um, to ask their um, member costs whether they, they thought this was okay, and they got the green light from their uh, customers, if you will. Um, so this has been done. Now, two years later, um, we are expecting not one, not two, but three uh, filings at the Public Service Commission for. Um, solar facilities that are about a hundred times as large wow. as the ones that that um, that Daryl and Socor collaborated on. We expect the first of these filings to occur uh, next month, um, and and the expectation is that um, a company, another developer out of Chicago called Invenergy, um, will propose to build. 300 megawatts of solar uh, on farm fields in this pocket of Iowa County, two town, two and a half townships, 3,500 acres. So now we see um, how um, solar has grown to the point where a whole um, sections of, of farmland uh, are going to be repurposed for um, a different kind of energy production. Because, um, which oh, is, I, uh, I sorry, those 3,500 acres, like, uh, will those be completely covered with solar panels essentially? Um, 
Pretty much. Okay, cool. All right. Um, <laughs> Keep going. It's just, I mean, 3,500 3500 acres under lease. Gotcha. Um, and so and a substantial uh, yeah. percentage of that will be um, supporting panel. Gotcha. Um, and and then um, so there's that project, and there are two more in the pipeline. The Public Service Commission staff has told us that they expect to see these filings in the next two months. Well, that's just that's like going from zero to sixty in three seconds, <laughs> um, and and so that's why I mean this is all this is all very new. And what do you see for? Um, do you have an idea of the the costs, uh, the rates coming from that uh, that three hundred megawatt installation, and compare that to let's say a, a natural gas plant? What do you have an idea? Um, well, they're uh, the cost impact should be um, on an energy basis, on a kilowatt hour by kilowatt yeah. hour basis, about the same. Um, just, but there are uh, some nuances that um, uh, need to be um, fleshed out just a little bit. One is that um, solar doesn't quite have the same dispatchability as um, natural gas. You can. Uh, turn a, a gas plant on, turn it off, and then when you turn it back on, it, it can ramp up to full power in um, just a couple of minutes. Um, however, these we think that these solar uh, uh, projects, at least two of them, will have uh, a storage component, uh, which will, um, A, smooth out the uh, flow of electricity coming out of the solar field, and B, um, it can extend the, uh, uh, the the flow of electricity from the solar field into the early evening, which makes it um, extremely valuable from a utility perspective because utilities typically experience their peak demands in the late afternoons from about 3 to 7 o'clock. Um, as solar um, is starting to wind down around about 4.30 or 5, even in summer, just a little bit, but having a little storage uh, on hand will extend that um, that uh, contribution from uh, solar into seven o'clock, eight o'clock. So that makes that makes uh, solar um, a, a a resource that you that utilities feel much more comfortable with. It's not so um, variable. It has um, has it has a, there's a little bit that uh, um, is um, dispatchable and you know um, can be ramped up and down according to um, load condition. Yeah. So um, um, even with that solar that storage component, solar's cost um, should be um, uh, about the same as a gas plant, possibly less if you look at it over a thirty year period, thirty five year period. Gotcha. Yeah, because in, in the news I've read about some uh, solar installations, like, well, there's one in the Middle East, and it was just, like, in, insanely low, you know, kilowatt yeah. hour, cost yeah. per kilowatt hour. Um, it's it's really important, though, to understand the climactic and meteorological conditions under which solar operates in the state of Wisconsin. For example, uh, uh, yesterday at about uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, um, I'm, I suspect that every just, just 
the, the there was enough snow to cover all of the uh, oh, yeah. uh, panels in um, the southern half of the state, and it was those panels were producing effectively zero. Snow is not um, a, an issue that um, uh, <laughs> designers have to consider when placing big projects in the Mideast. And then there's also the um, seasonal variability of uh, productivity. Um, solar panels in July typically put out more than twice the energy that they put out in January. There's more more daylight hours. The sun is more directly overhead. So you have to work that into your uh, to, to the supply mix, the seasonal differential between um, summer um, and and winter. Um, having said all that, if you keep the uh, snow off the panels um, on a day like today, go out there and just somehow uh, evaporate all the snow that's coating the panels right now, they would be producing pretty much close to the peak because they'll pick up the reflection, the reflected light off of the snow. Mm. Um, and that, um, that sends more power, or I should say more radiation to the panels, and that results in more electricity coming out of the panel. And, and it's fine if you don't know the answer. Do you have an idea of the cost per kilowatt hour that the, the Middle East was promising versus the Wisconsin? I don't expect you to know no, this, I, but no. <laughs> I was just no, okay. Do you know I can what? tell you yeah. that. I can tell you that um, in some uh, locations in south in the southwest of the United States, long-term power um, uh, agreements are being executed that cost less than three cents a kilowatt hour over the twenty to thirty years of the life of the contract. Wow, what, that is remarkable. Three cents and less. What? Uh, what? Do you, how much do you think it is about here in Wisconsin? It's so dependent on size. Okay. It's so dependent on um, uh, uh, on 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 who who owns the um, uh, project, but I'm going to say that maybe you can um, put together a very large project for under, and whether um, the levelized cost of that electricity would be less than five cents a kilowatt hour. Really, still yeah. quite yeah okay. Oh, awesome. Yeah, that must. Yeah. I would think. Oh, go ahead. I would think that the project in uh, Iowa County would probably achieve a number close uh, under five cents okay. a kilowatt hour. It must be pretty fun to be able to see this after you know these these rates coming out, these costs after doing this for yeah. seven years. <laughs> it probably just boggles your mind. <laughs> there is um, at this point we need to interject that um, uh, there there is a tax credit in place today for solar generation. Um, as long as you are a um, subject, as long as you're a tax-paying entity, you can claim up to 30% uh, a credit for the installed cost of the solar system. Um, that credit will, um, uh, will, will start dropping in the coming years. 30% this year, 30% next year, 26% in 2020, uh, 22% in 2021, and it drops to 10%. Uh, for commercial uh, enterprises. It drops to 0% for residential um, uh, installations. That's going to have an effect on the uh, solar marketplace. So one of the things that are causing utilities to um, take large, aggressive actions today is that they see the uh, tax credit um, uh, receding 
um, in um, the, the foreseeable future. And um, that is uh, a, a, a motivating factor in their um, acquisition plans today. Because that, uh, that rate of less than five cents a kilowatt hour probably, in, of course, includes the, the tax, the 30% tax credit. Absolutely, it yeah. does. Interesting. So, I mean, do you think it's a good thing these tax credits are going, going away? Um, or, or do you think it's too too fast? Um, or how would you uh, Well, the, 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 the solar industry actually negotiated the uh, uh, ramping down of the uh, tax credit. So um, there was a trade-off. Um, the tax credit had been at 30%, but um, in place for only, um, it had basically uh, two years or three years of life to it. Um, and then as the uh, deadline approaches or the, what would have been the expiration date, you'd get the um, mad scrambles for projects that would dri- actually drive up installed costs because um, the tax credit was such a driver. So um, having a tax credit that would be renewed in two or three year increments uh, created a very much a roller coaster effect. Peaks and valleys in the uh, um, in, 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 in project development. And uh, we were coming up to a um, expiration at the end of 2015. And the solar industry, actually, at the end of 2016. So the solar industry decided. Uh, in exchange for extending the uh, tax credit out to 20 to the early 2020s, that it would accept a ramping down of uh, its value. And the ramping down part, I think, is uh, quite reasonable. I'm not quite sure about going from 22% to 10% in one year. I think that's going to be disruptive, but for the for this year through 2021, um, the solar industry is um, pretty settled. Now, there's, of course, um, we're talking about federal policy. It's hard to uh, overlook the, the recent actions of the Trump administration um, imposing a tariff, a 30% tariff this year on imported sol- uh, solar panels. Um, and that's actually having a little bit of an effect on uh uh, project pricing right now, and um, the National Trade Association for Solar uh, predicted about a 10% reduction in uh, installation activity as a result of uh, the disruption caused by um, this, this tariff, which doesn't apply to every country, but applies to uh, the major countries that have been uh, exporting solar panels to the United States. Um, and so, uh, it, it's, it, there's still more uncertainty than there ought to be in, uh, the solar marketplaces at mark solar marketplace. Um, so it's a little bit hard to, um, predict, uh, say what the, uh, what, what'll look like five years from now, 10 years from now, the, um, the, the cost, the relative cost of these energy resources. Um, compared with each other, it's very difficult because of the of these actions. So, I'm curious. You know, we we have wind and solar that uh, um, price quite well now. So, why aren't the utilities at 50% renewables right now, going to 100? 
Um, can you maybe talk about like maybe some of their existing capital expenditures in place and, um, or what is the reason in your mind? And is there anything we can do to accelerate? Um, uh, you hit upon that. Um, yes. Uh, the utilities are, um, have invested in, um, uh, fossil generation, um, all the way through the end of uh, the previous decade and into the current decade. And these investments, along with pollution control measures, um, have um, are, are, are just, you know, the, the capital investment has to be, they want it, the capital investment to be paid off. So it's, it's embedded in rates. And so it's, if they were to write down the value of, of uh, their uh, some of the coal plants right now that are still operating, even though they're thinking that these plants will go offline in uh, five to ten years, uh, they can't write those the value of the assets down without um, taking a loss, which will uh, upset their shareholders. Um, there, unfortunately, was um, we know this in hindsight. Uh, there was an overinvestment in fossil generating capacity in the last 15 years, and it has um, left Wisconsin in, a, um, in an unfavorable position, too much generating capacity. So in order to bring um, the solar and wind into um, the resource mix, some of these older units have to be shut down. And um, we have to come up with a, a mechanism for balancing the cost of the, the transition um, equitably between the shareholders and the ratepayers. Um, this is this is going to be the largest issue going forward in the next five to ten years in the state of Wisconsin. How to affect that transition um, so that it does happen. Um, the state absolutely needs to uh, transition away from these older um, uh, central station fossil fuel plants. Um, it's a big part of any state's um, economic development pitch to new businesses and to retain existing businesses. Look, uh, you, 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 you probably have read uh, how uh, you know, that corporations all across the United States are um, now signing contracts to source 50% or even 100% of their electrical uh, usage from renewable projects. Um, this they do quite quite deliberately. It's a big part of their positioning for the future. Um, this we don't really have anything like that happening in Wisconsin, um, and the utilities have to have to step up and start moving some of their existing generation to one side and allow these companies and allow uh, uh, cities and and villages also uh, opportunities where they can source their electricity from renewables. And um, so right now we're not seeing any leadership coming out of uh, state government on this point mm. at all. It is, um, uh, it, it's a miracle to get them to think about next week. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and um, Wisconsin continues to drift along these lines, uh, in this fashion, at its own peril. Some of the utilities in the state really are 
um, champing at the bit to uh, uh, undergo this transition uh, quite seriously. And there's an object lesson here with um, uh, the state of Minnesota. The state of Minnesota, the largest utility in the state of Minnesota is called XL, also serves um, a good swath of western Wisconsin. Um, they, that utility is has the uh, backing of the utility commission in uh, Minnesota to um, accelerate this transition. They they anticipate having more than 50% renewable or carbon-free resources in maybe 10 years. Um, it's extraordinary. Um, uh, but the utility commission in, in Minnesota had more control over um, uh, the decisions made by the utilities 15 years ago was to where to invest their um, next uh, um, uh, where to where to make the next generation of uh, uh, investment, and so they did they they avoided the capacity overhang that presently plagues uh, Wisconsin utilities. With um, it, I, you know, I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to point out uh, one event that occurred two weeks ago that unfortunately, you know, should have made a lot of uh, generate a lot of press here. And that is that We Energies retired a very, very large coal plant in Kenosha County called Pleasant Prairie, um, which had been operating since the 1980s. That was a plant that supplied about 10% of all the electricity generated in Wisconsin. Wow! So We Energies just cleared. Um, uh, its portfolio to allow th- these um, solar projects to uh, to play, but there's still one very important unresolved issue, and that is who who pays for the remaining debt on Pleasant Prairie. That that plant has a book value of nearly seven hundred million dollars. Wow. Um, rate ratepayers are going to have to uh, absorb part of that value. So are Wisconsin Electric shareholders. Um, these are the decisions that 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 will that will more than any other set of uh, decisions influence the the rate of transition here in Wisconsin over the next uh, ten years. How to pay off uh, these older power plants when it's time for them to retire? And, and do you see that as the essentially the biggest barrier to more adoption of renewables is figuring this out at the utility level? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Um, and and that's where the, the biggest pro- progress is made. I mean, um, earlier I mentioned the um, uh, the Badger Hollow solar farm uh, proposal that um, we'll see uh, emerging at the Utility Commission next month. Three hundred megawatts is about four times the amount of solar capacity that we have right now operating in this state. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't think about that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. These, these, um, I, I, I think drawing these comparisons in terms of scale um, are, is very important to show you how we, how we are. Um, we went from baby steps to a couple of giant steps now, but um, in order to get to an even larger stride, we have to, we we had the thorny issue of how to pay uh, off the, uh, the the all the improvements that have been made 
to Wisconsin's existing fleet of electric generators. Interesting. Okay. Well, we're near the end of the podcast. I think we could talk for two more hours. Um, but yeah, w- one more question. Well, I got a couple more, couple more questions. But sure. one is around. Um, we kind of talked about this before you and me about the benefits of solar group purchase programs, and uh, I was just curious to yeah. hear, you know, what hear you talk more about that uh, topic. Well, um, the residential marketplace is um, uh, quite different from um, the, the the scale of solar development that utilities uh, um, uh, partake in. So, um, um, most people um, really um, there there are about six or seven um, steps involved in a, um, deciding to go from hey. Um, it wouldn't be nice if part of the electricity we use in this house to come from the from solar panels on the roof to actually having them installed. You have to become, uh, it's good to know how to read your electric bill, for example. Um, know which part of the uh, electric bill will be uh, reduced by um, uh, on-site solar and which parts won't. Um, then you have to uh, uh, consider uh, uh, the incentives out there that can reduce the uh, cost of, of uh, solar. You have to factor in this tax credit in your calculation. There are also state incentives available um, through the Focus on Energy program. That's another big part of our uh, our our work is to um, uh, shape and 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 extend the and mobilize support within the commission um, for the focus on energy uh, grants. And and so a, a residential customer can access up to uh, $2,000 uh, per system um, in, in uh, incentive dollars. Um, then, you know, you have to actually go out, find out where the installers are. Um, some areas are, have a reasonable, the, the, have a, a reasonable uh, population of uh, solar installers. Madison has a couple. Um, Milwaukee does not. Um, and so the solar group buy um, actually enables a company out of Plymouth, which is in Sheboygan County, to serve the Milwaukee area. Um, because as of right now, there are no uh, solar installation county solar installation companies in Milwaukee County. There's one in Waukesha County, there's one in Sheboygan County, but none in Milwaukee County. There are uh, at least a half dozen um, solar group purchases going forward across the state of Wisconsin. Um, There's one up in uh, Bayfield and Ashland County. It was organized by a local renewable energy group there. They're bringing in a uh, installer from um, somewhere in the Spooner area. Um, without that solar group by, um, there would have been um, would have been very difficult to find uh, a contractor who would be willing to travel a hundred miles or so to to install a, um, a a system, and the price would have gone up as a result because the uh, contractor would thought, well, I only have one system up here. Um, the the uh, uh, the customer is going to have to pay for my travel time, 
and um, all the other work that I have to do with the per- with the local uh, permitting authorities, et cetera, et cetera. So, so uh, the these these solar group purchases actually bring solar <laughs> into pockets of Wisconsin in a way that is affordable to the customer. And and how does it work? Does it uh, like in that uh, example you gave? Is that um, is solar placed on each like? Um, you know, if there's like 20 people saying this group purchase program, does each uh, other is there solar being placed on each of the 20 sites, or are they building like one larger installation and sharing it somehow? Uh, yes. Um, so with solar group buys, um, this is an uh, organizational model for individual installation. Okay. Um, you, you referenced uh, shared solar. This is typically organized by the utility itself. Um, shared solar would be a really good idea. Good Minnesota actually requires some utilities to offer um, uh, or clear space for shared solar, um, in which every customer um, in that utility at Excel can uh, opt in and, and source their electricity from a shared solar facility as opposed to their regular mix. One of the big barriers to residential solar uh, development is the fact that um, not every house is, uh, has uh, uh, direct access to the sun. There could be shading from trees or other structures. Um, the, if it's a steep roof facing in, pitched in the wrong direction, that could be a showstopper too. And last and very much not least, um, if you don't own your house, you can't put a solar system on it because you don't legally have the right to um, uh, add to a structure. You know, the, the landlord makes that decision, uh, the building property owner, not the tenant. In the city of Madison, more than half of MG&E's customers are renters. So they they are excluded just by being a renter from ha- having solar on a roof over their head. With shared solar, um, they can participate in um, uh, and and source anywhere from zero to 100 percent of their electricity from from one of these larger arrays. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay. All right. So on the last question, this is a personal one that I like to ask. What, what do you like to do uh, in your free time? when you're not uh, trying to change the world through renewables? <laughs> oh, um, well, um, I enjoy uh, circulating outside. Um, I, uh, I, have a, uh, I have a dog that I take um, to um, parks around Madison. Um, I like to go bicycling and uh, explore um, this great city and county that I live in. Um, I also uh, play guitar and like oh. to, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm learning, um, um, I'm learning many, many, many songs right now. Cause I have a little more free time now than I did maybe five years ago. Um, and, um, I just also like to, um, I, I participate in my neighborhood association, uh, on the council there. And I also like to travel, um, and uh, soon we'll be headed to uh, uh, Colorado, New Mexico for some uh, R&R, visit um, some, some beautiful Native American sites. So that's pretty much, uh, I pretty much sketch, 
sketched out my life from <laughs> awesome. until retirement. <laughs> oh, I like it. Yeah, well, you stay busy. and uh, Yeah, thanks. And, and, um, and hopefully and time to relax, too. It sounds like, I'm sure, yeah. guitar playing can be... Yeah, are you uh, trying to learn any uh, particular song right now that's, like, super hard? Or not? Oh, uh, <laughs> I um, actually know quite a few songs. Okay. Um, I'm, the the um, uh, challenge I'm running into is learning how to, is singing and playing guitar at the same time. Uh, um, okay. But I I do I do have a repertoire of uh, several dozen songs, many of them Beatles songs. The Beatles are the um, if, if you like chords, um, uh, the Beatles offer a, a repertoire of unusual richness. So uh, I've got, I've become kind of a Beatles fanatic in the last couple of years, and basically because um, it's such a great way to uh, get to know uh, guitar playing and become better at it. Awesome! Awesome! All right. Well, that's a, this is a good way to end the, the podcast and. Uh... Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michael, really appreciate you coming on and sharing all your knowledge. And you've been in this uh, around the renewables for so many years. So it's awesome to have you on and hear about uh, how things have changed and how uh, it's exciting times, but also <laughs> there's still challenges ahead. So, um, yeah, there's <laughs> yeah. Uh, nothing's ever settled. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Okay. Uh, all, right. all right. Well, thanks for the opportunity. I enjoyed it, and um, uh, I'm sure we will connect sometime soon. Sounds good. And thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Flyover Labs. As always, I definitely appreciate it. We'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Okay, Bye, thanks. Michael.